Cultivate the citta, cultivate the heart and the mind, cultivate our awareness. Um, then this is the, the uh, core of Buddha's teachings. Okay. Be firmly connected to this uh, higher mind. of a mind that we or awareness that we actually don't neglect don't let stray don't let go into unhealthy places we kind of care for it look after it and bond to it so it's a general all round cultivation culture of mind Really is based upon uh, feeling out what wholesomeness really feels like. A sense of upliftedness, a sense of settledness, a sense of having a, a refuge place, mm. a tone. Sometimes I refer to this as a bright tone, it's not necessarily dazzling and luminous, but a quality of uh, tonality we feel settled, fine, balanced themselves wholesome mm. Mm. so this is something that really is a, a core uh, and everything else kind of revolves around this quality of, of wholesomeness and purity mm. and then we so something we just can, can cultivate be aware of it means of course when we cultivate that one has to watch it you know know it's run away know how to pick it bring it up and pick it back or put it back also recognize that in the very act of cultivation has to be done in a wholesome way rather than an arrogant way or a depressed way or a forceful way or an irritated way so we're not kind of yanking the mind or beating it up or um uh, getting depressed about it, or you know, where we just add unskillful um, actions, unskillful residues, unskillful taints to to what we're aware of. So it's very much a kind of custodianship and guarding and nur- nurturing and weaning the mind from um, poisons and unwholesome things. It takes time. Um, this, this, this sense of this general round uh, culture you know, steady culture can, can be overlooked mm. you know, concentration of course is a, is a um, feature of, of that you know, that's a concentrated 
you know, action, if you like, mental action, we're concentrating, focusing on what we're doing, you know, with it. Uh, that, that is concentration. <laughs> um, of course, we, we, uh, we, it can, we can develop that, and very often people, when they meditate, you know, have a, think about concentrating, concentrating the mind, and tend to skip the process of how how we gather that, how we gather up all the threads of the mind, how we gather it together. So they just want to concentrate and get still. Um, uh, and so you get a certain intensity to that, a certain grimness perhaps, certain forcefulness, certain um, idealism maybe, um, certain viewpoints about that. We tend to, you know, we can skip the process of what really how how samadhi, as concentration anyway, comes around. Because of course there are different kinds of concentration on there. Um, there's definitely, you know, concentration we focus on something that's just um, sense object, particularly delightful or pleasing or attractive, get pretty concentrated that way. Or on um, um, a view. So you get, um, you know, we have a strong view about something, completely welded into that and, and fixated on that, um, or um, on, a, on a system or, or a technique or an ideology or a belief or even our own behaviour can get kind of welded to. Um, so either kind of external religious forms we can get fundamentalist about fanatical about or even fundamentalist about one's own behaviour so we're looking you know getting looking for utter abstract purity of behaviour as some sort of uh, something that's no longer organic you know, we can get we can get totally fixated like that or we can get fixated upon our sense of who we are sense of self our ego, our psyche, our self, our little self, our big self, our inner self, our cosmic self, our non-self. <laughs> and then when one does, you know, then all kinds of particular um, karmic potential is released around that. It's activated, not liberated, but it's, it's kind of put, in, put into action. One, one sees things through that particular line in terms of sense objects or we gravitate around that, we, we linger around that, we compare and contrast and proliferate around that. And these are the four bases of clinging, where you can get highly concentrated, but it's not what we call samasamadhi. So just, just fixating is not, not by itself samadhi. <coughs> fixate, and people do fixate. Um, commonly fixate <coughs> and in a way there's a certain feeling good about it otherwise we wouldn't do it there's a certain kind of unity like um, you know um, certain addictive quality to that you get fixated on an obsession or a drug you know take like heroin or something like that then you, you can just your whole life can revolve around that. There's a certain simplicity about that, a certain, certain sense of, of um, you know, you know where you are. And I think that sometimes there's this kind of 
clinging and fixation upon things gives gives rise a sense of solidity and um, simplifies the complexities of the world and the way it makes us kind of lazy we don't have to deal with the ambiguities or reflect or consider or actually contemplate you know, cause and effect and tonality we just grab hold of something and in that moment we kind of become what that thing is the, the, the joyful, the excitement of it or the strength of it or the power of it but this is not samadhi even if we're doing this in a subtle way like we have an idea about samadhi we have a view about samadhi we have a conviction about samadhi we believe in samadhi we think samadhi will take us to nibbana or whatever and we get quite excited by that view and we get quite inspired by that view and we like that view and then we fixate upon that Um, still you know lacks the kind of proper cultivation because it's not really based on viveka, vitaka, vichara, uh, you know, which are the foundations for samadhi. Viveka, the sense of settledness, you know, being settled, not being uh, demanding, pushy, forceful, uh, driven, harrowed, you know, but actually being settled. Vitaka, meaning one, one has a, one has a, an intelligence that can acknowledge, can be active. And vichara, one can explore and evaluate. Is this this? Is this right? How does this feel? What's that like? What is it like this? Like that? You have something that's quite skillful uh, culture. So it's not just a driven thing, or a driving thing, or a forced thing, or even an inspired thing. Um, because when those energies become very strong, when we we lose the power to really evaluate what's going on. And say, what's the tone of this experience? Is this really, um, you know, comfortable, settled? Mm. And if we lose that, uh, that reference, then we can, in fact, get into, you know, fixated states that that have some, you know, samadhi-like characteristics. Um, But then, what can occur for us is that when we come out of that we remember that samadhi we think about it we feel we should have more of it and we, we, and we kind of find we, we start to manipulate and demand that, that life give that to us so we lose the quality of settled tonality we become grasping or opinionated or conceited or demanding or intolerant you think, well, is this the eightfold path or what is this it is this liberation? I'm becoming more and more kind of uh, irritable and, and uh, opinionated. <laughs> about, you know, about people, other people disturbing my samadhi or not, you know, or, or level of it, or you know. So, so we can recognise that the karma of the way we've actually cultivated that. Is not entirely pure. It's not free from clinging, not free from taints. And we haven't actually recognised that. You know, we haven't actually cultivated in, in a truly pure uh, way. We've cultivated from a, a viewpoint or a conceit or a grasping. And then that residue stays with us, no matter how. You know, if that's if that is not checked, you know, and if one can check that well and good but if it's not checked uh, 
then then that residue is actually intensified and heightened by the power of fixation. So when we leave the samadhi, we're left with that residue, that attitude. Um, and it's become kind of affirmed by um, you know, recon- you know, conceiving that this is a spiritual experience. But it's, it's not a spiritual experience. Well, it, you know, it is. But it's not a liberated experience. It's a worldly experience. It's a karma experience. And uh, we're looking to cultivating the, the skillful karma that leads to the end of it. End of karma. The end of there being more to do and more to have. Uh, the end of becoming um, you know, more heightened in oneself. Sort of evaporation of that, of that, that karmic drive or intensity, emptying, emptying out the selfhood and all that pertains to that. And that process, we might say, can begin really very simply in, in a way that is not dependent upon a view or an ideology or a belief or something in the future but really just dependent on recognising and becoming fully present with what really is here and putting aside what isn't so we might say just you know, coming to sit down and sitting in a shrine room and what really is here present for us you know, and making it so that we can dwell upon the, the skillful qualities of that. Nobody's harming me. Nobody's beating me. Nobody's going to steal things from me. Nobody's going to mess around with me. You know. mm. and dwell upon that quality of, of safety. You know, that's vitaka. To fix it is to focus on that and then to amplify and evaluate. What does that feel like? Be somewhere where it's, it's trusting. And it's okay. And there's no demands made, and nobody's criticizing, and you're not examined when you go out the door. You know, how good did you do tonight? <laughs> you know, and the, one dwells in there. And so the mind actually can settle into that. You know, and so that quality of settling is a state of really valuing what is, what is lovely, you know, and immediate, and not a matter of opinion, and really something we can know. And the way uh, uh, that's very good training because our mind tends to not value what is what is kind of obvious really, but needs to be just lifted. We, t- we always imagine or tend to skip process and jump onto what we feel the aim is, and that that, that jumpiness or impetuousness of, ment- of mentality is not skillful culture. Skillful culture is to enter. You know, inform, evaluate, reside, amplify, steep oneself in what is good. And then we put aside what is not here. We put aside the, the unskillful things we may have done, or the unskillful things that may have happened to us. And right now, this is not here. This body is not being 
abused or um, doing any harm to anyone. Just very simply like that. We might we might actually, uh, as we enter into our practice, just spend some time, you know, contemplating the present karmic energy. Is what are you? Is anybody here come here to intend harm to others? So, of course, that memory might come up or that thing come up, but we recognise our basic intention is not that. The leading quality of our karmic thing is to to not intend harm, to be peaceful. So then we may have intended harm in the past, we may have done unskillful things in the past, we may do it in the future. Um, but right now, we're not. You know. So we dwell upon what's present and then you dwell upon it, amplify, settle into it, then you can put aside those you know, karmic events of the past or the future. And so that in doing that, you know, the sense of the heart really can settle in. So entering into the wholeness of what is present and recognizing, you know, and emptying out the doubts, the regrets, uh, the agitations about what was or what might be or what's outside the door or what was then and there and so forth. So in a way you don't have to suppress a lot of things. You don't have to kind of be holding something up against the whole set of interferences. You deliberately uh, fill with what is present and put aside what is not. And if we can't do that then we have to to spend time um, reflecting and, and looking and contemplating the sense of of remorse or ill will or doubt that we may be still there that we haven't been able to empty out. And so we can recognize those things always depend upon um, or or um, some particular object that we may remorse about something we've done or something we haven't done or um, resentment about something that happened to us or didn't happen to us or doubt about what we should be or shouldn't be and so, you, so those, those particular energies depend upon certain images, perceptions and so the, you know, being able to recognise the image or the perception or the memory is not the doubt, it engenders the doubt it's not the doubt, it's not the remorse, it's not the regret and that image or perception is something that is brought in to the mind through a particular activity. So we may in fact just go to the sense of the doubt or the resentment or the regret and put aside the topic. You know, so don't we don't have to bring that in. We're not um, denying the the vipaka or the results that have accrued to us at this particular time. But we can just so we can em- at least empty out the topic or the image or the memory and just go to the very uh, residue itself. And so we can recognise that in itself. So you enter into the, even the wholeness of that, and one can contemplate this particular mental state or mood is not self. You know, it's this. It's itself. 
it's not the object that generated it nor is it the subject that it's happening to it's, it's this it's its own life if you like it feels like this it makes the body feel like this it has this kind of power or speed to it you know, so you, you can actually as you contemplate it it's a way of holding those um, afflictive um, dhammas in a, in a very skillful way so rather than holding it in a trembling way or a bitter way or a, or a fearful way or a malicious way we hold it in a very um, pure way it's just this it's empty of this it's not this it's not something that happened yesterday it's just this particular experience happening now in itself it feels this way so the idea of it belonging to somebody is an inference we don't need that the idea of it should be another way is an imagination we don't need that the idea of um, you know what should have happened or could have happened or won't happen is a, is an inference in the imagination we can, you know, so we, you empty out those and in the in the pure holding of that those particular residues can release in a sense of almost like coming to bloom and then you know releasing themselves they seem to sort of you know flare up and then having said they say they evaporate so one can deal with contemplate unskillful things like that and that's actually um, you know not that we need to particularly ferret around to seek out unskillful dhammas but, but the ones the residues that do come up um, we can recognize are not based upon my deliberate intention right now they're based upon you know compulsions or residues that have not been resolved so the, the very um, karma in the present is one of holding uh, purely, compassionately holding it with wisdom, holding it in a very steady way so the very quality of the, the karma in that particular act of attention is actually very pure mm. so this is where you know you, you see the actual you know your own deliberate karma your own deliberate intentionality and it's there to to continually survey and supervise this wholesome tone so you, it's like you're generating a particular culture of mind which allows things to be released and as you uh, cultivate that then um, whatever calm is, whatever intentionality is, is not necessary can be also released so then, then you know like when you come and sit down there's a certain quality of effort that's required to get here and sit the body down and you don't need to make that effort anymore because you've got here and sat down so you can put that aside and then coming to the body there's a certain quality of effort that's needed to hold the body up when the body is properly settled then we don't need to keep doing that you know, the body kind of can align itself we may need to come back again but essentially you know, one, well, as one settles one's able to, to refine and calm the quality of, of uh, intentionality the quality of volition the quality of drive so your mind begins to settle just because it's not 
pushing. So that's all part of the general tone of the, of the experience. It becomes cooler, milder, um, more um, easy, to, and it's like that. It's actually easier to, to enter into. If it's blazing and forceful, it's got a certain intensity. It doesn't actually open, and it's not easy to settle in um, in, in a relaxed way. As we come into the sense of the body, then we can recognise, well, you know, what what is actually here, and then maybe that the what's called the elements, like the sense of uh, pressure, solidity, you know, something that occupies a certain amount of space. This is called the earth element. So as we come into that, we can let go of the outward appearance of it, um, even the general anatomical side of it, you just get a sense of being upright, uh, feeling a sense of, you know, occupying a certain amount of space, a certain texture. So you fill with that and you let go of other things, such as concern about the outward appearance or um, the very form of the body even. So the body kind of dissolves into something like just very simple elementary experience. Uh, and that process is one whereby by uh, coming more fully into just what is present and that, that's, that's an, an evolving thing because the very um, process of attention and when it doesn't uh, um, pick up or, or turn itself towards adding details uh, that are about um, you know, the future, the past, what other people might think, uh, how I look, and so forth. It doesn't kind of go into this diffusive, proliferating tendency. It tends towards gradual, um, attention when it's held in that way, it tends towards gradual um, clarification and transparency. So the the very culture of them, the very quality of, of awareness becomes more lucid, and uh, transparent, rather like there's not a lot of stuff going on there, because we're deliberately emptying out all that's not required. And in sitting in samadhi, not much is necessary. You don't need to have all kinds of details, because we're just looking at being present. And in that, we gradually filter out things that are superfluous to that to that aim. So, through that process of really filling up with what is present and emptying out what isn't present the mind, this quality of samadhi comes around by itself and there is uh, the process quite naturally moves from um, something whereby one is in a fairly what's called a coarse sense sphere which means um, an awareness that is aware of um, many, many objects, you know, myself, uh, this room, other people, uh, what I was doing yesterday. It's, it's kind of you know, multi, uh, multi-leveled. It's got all kinds of dimensions to it. And, you know, who I am in relationship to somebody else, um, and so forth. So, you know, there's kind of 
diffusiveness, um, which isn't necessarily un- unwholesome, but it's certainly diffusive. Uh, and in that, quite a lot of the um, you know, other as- other emotional aspects get energies get buried in this diffusiveness. So we have bits of happiness somewhere else, or um, senses of, of interest being somewhere else. So our kind of our whole mental storehouse, our treasure of good feeling is kind of diffused over a, over a large realm and over what what will be coming up that's good tomorrow, you know, you might have you know, Marmite or something wonderful <laughs> in monastery, it's kind of these little things mean a lot. So you, <laughs> you know, you get quite excited over the possibility of something like that or um, you know uh, so the happiness has gone into the future. The enjoyment has gone into the future. So as we're, as we're letting go, as we refine that core sense sphere, refining it, then we're actually drawing back the qualities of happiness and well-being and security and warmth and loving kindness and so forth right into the present rather than it being that something that's going to happen tomorrow or something somebody else is doing or you know what somebody else said. It's just you're gathering all together. So that the that, uh, that refinement uh, from what's called the coarse uh, dualistic sense sphere into something much more um, subtle. So it's called the subtle is called the rupa sphere of subtle form, which is when um, one's experience is much more uh, just a sense of presence with a single perception. You know, the perception maybe something like the earth. The sense of having an earth, an you know, earth body. When I say earth, I don't mean clay and mud and shale, but actually, this sense of you know, a certain mass, a certain volume, a certain extent, a certain firmness to it. Or it could be light, even. You know, sometimes when mind goes into quite, body gets a particular energy to it, you experience the body as something that's quite light, or, or airy, or bright, or even flowing and fluid. So that's a subtle form. Uh, and there's not a lot of not a lot of diversity around it. It's unified, so that we can linger in that and recognise how that's arisen. And the karma that that or the activities, the volitional drive that that uh, took us to that place, got us to that place, can now cool down. You know, whatever qualities of focusing and and reflecting and attention brought that up, have, have you know, we can now rest that. So it's a sense in which the very push or energy of the mind is also gradually softened and becomes more um, transparent or uh, you know, uh, quiet, suffusive. So that's how. So samadhi develops rather like that, rather than becoming more forceful or intense, it's becoming gentler. Uh, and but through to to deliberately consciously reflecting and acting in a way that establishes uh, the skillful and what's actually really here uh, in itself uh, and and puts away and discards what is not occurring 
which is different from when one has an aim that wants to arrive at a particular state. So, in fact, we may very well yesterday have arrived at a particular, you know, have found ourselves in a particular state of samadhi, and think, oh, I'd like to do that again. You know, how did I do it? You know, I did it yesterday, how did I do it? So that, you know, the, the trying to reiterate the experience um, is an attachment. Because we're, we are, instead of coming into the actuality of what's really present right now, we're trying to, you know, recreate something that happened in the past. So that kind of attitude comes into the mind. How can I get to that? And then how can I get there? And uh, the feeling of being someone who got there uh, <laughs> yesterday or whatever it was, or somebody else who got there and you knew they got there. How did they do it? They did it like this, therefore... And so that particular uh, quality of, of feverishness and um, grasping comes up. I mean, this is pretty, you know, this is it's a fairly subtle form of, of, of skill, like beating people up or um, robbing banks. But it, it's, it's still, it, it, it does, it's unnecessary. You know. uh, there's a kind of innocence about... Um, about meditation, and it, which is lovely. It's lovely to have that quality of settled, like an innocence of heart. Just, okay, I'll just see what happens, you know. Do what's good, and let it come out of that. Uh, and maybe sometimes it, it comes quite easy. Sometimes we find a piece of something that's quite stuck in ourselves. And then if we have that quality of openness and freshness, we say, oh, well, this is stuck. Okay, well, I'll, what is the wholeness of this, you know? Rather than oh, get this out of the way. What, what's this about? So we're able to to learn and release um, residues um, because the thing we really treasure is is the the beauty of the culture in itself, the goodness of the culture in itself. And in the long run, that's going to benefit us, whether we whatever level of refinement we're at, whether it's just kind of what we call the coarse sense sphere. And I don't want to make that sound like it's kind of you know, low and filthy, but it, it's uh, it's just it means it's diffusive. It's a kind of relatively clunky sphere of activity. As we should the clunky sense sphere rather than the core sense sphere. It's not a pejorative thing. Rather than the kind of um, rather more graceful form, uh, subtle form states. You know, which don't re- which re- which don't require such a, a a kind of high degree of of calming activity to maintain them. You know, a very steady, simple thing, so that the quality of karma can 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 itself cool. Mm. So this is how one can gradually, if you like, diminish the the karmic propensities of grasping and clinging, um, and so on. And also the karmic drive, you know, to be and to become and to have. Mm. You know, that kind of pushiness. And so that when one's in somebody or out of it, that's going to be of uh, great benefit for one's general sense of peace and balance in, in, in one's life. That process of refinement, of, of 
gradually you know, making making one's awareness you know, less and less substance-based and more and more just tonal and resonant can go from the or the level of fine form, which is rupa, to even uh, level of formlessness, which is when the very act of perceiving things, the very very primary sense of, of, of knowing anything, um, you know, not in a cog- not in a conceptual way, but just uh, you know, tuning or receiving any kind of impression at all, itself becomes the base of the meditation. As one's aware, so the awareness. As it's such uh, so refined that you know the very quality of impression becomes subtler and subtler. So you get things like space, sense of great open space with no particular boundaries, or just awareness itself, which is boundless, infinite or boundless awareness. Mm. So it can go that way. Um, this so that samadhi can develop in that particular way. So it, it, that depends upon a particular um, refinement of, of, that, of volition of karma mental volition and um, you know, that may t- that take, can take many years depending on you know what karma one inherits or sometimes it doesn't happen for people at all that is the, you know, the karmic quality of their, 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 their mental karma you know, is, is not a Rolls Royce it doesn't go that smoothly it's, it's a tractor you know so it doesn't get into this kind of ultra smooth gliding stuff. It's kind of chugs, and it can it can go on a straight line and stop and go a little bit faster and in reverse. That's some basic stuff. It doesn't do the kind of super refined stuff. <laughs> so you know, most of us are probably closer to tractors than, than roses, but um, <laughs> you know, it can it can get more refined, uh, depending really on I think things like. The level at which one actually has to do tractor work. You know. um, so you know, if we actually in, a, in situations that require the kind of um, energies of the, of, of the sense sphere and, and depend upon that, then the, the more refined stuff is going to be something that our minds don't necessarily have the gearing to get into. But actually, that that's not it's not necessary. You know. For for liberation, well, necessary. You know, so that one can get one can be a liberated tractor, in other words. <laughs> you know, it's better to be a liberated tractor than a miserable jeep. You know, trying to become a who's <laughs> not content with being a tractor wants to be a role, but actually doesn't have the suspension for it. Um, <laughs> And really, th- this is about just recognizing that in whatever is is uh, is present, you know, as we contemplate that, that, just the sense of what is it that generates this sense of I am around that, the selfhood around that. Because you know? this, you know, this is certain, you know, 
factors or qualities that occur on any level, you know, most refined to the crudest. Uh, and and Buddha in fact said that the most refined levels it gets so it gets difficult to see these. So you can it may not even be that skillful to go to, to great you know to most refined levels because it gets so refined it's difficult to really see, you know really reflect and see. You know, um, the mind is kind of so fine that it doesn't have the gearing to to um, develop insight. So we look at particular things like what, what gives rise to the sense of I am in this bodily experience. You know, so there may be um, fairly coarse things like uh, you know, fear, uh, disgust, uh, vanity, something like that, you know, worry. Uh, and then, okay, clearing that away. So these are called the like, hindrances, you know, which are the coarse things that are fundamental to get perspective on, you know, clear. And then recognize that apart from that when, that, when that passes away, there is a sense of a particular quality of attention that holds as permanent, as something that I can you know, rest into. And there's a particular quality of uh, intentionality or volition that's still present. That is, the sense of uh, you know, being able to make more of this, have a good experience in this, arrive at something pleasant through this. Uh, become somebody, you know, better kind of person through this. So you get this, there's a certain, you know, um, bubbling intentionality that may not be actually acting, but it's under the surface. I want more of this, or I could get something really nice, a pleasant experience, or I could become something else, you know, which would be better, uh, which is intentionality. And then the quality, so that creates a sense of an I am that's not quite satisfied. You know, this is nice, but more. Uh, and then the other factory is a sense of attention, which is I'm holding this. I've got to this, now I've got it. Yeah. And so those two are called sankharas or two karma formations. They are in fact I would say they are they are the two chief um, karma creators. And uh, one would also say that the sense of contact is the third one. That is, my attention is resting upon this particular thing. So I am that which rests upon that. I am the one who's experiencing this particular thing. This particular thing is happening to me. This is going on in my mind. This is touching me. So that's the level of, of impression or contact. And so these three places, these three you know, suppositions... There will be more. There could be more. You know, are to be recognised as that which is not, which is an inference, and not a true thing that is truly present for us. You know, you know there may be more. There may not be more. But that is in the realm of inference, isn't it? What we know is there is this restlessness. Yeah. So. You know, emptying out what actually isn't there and entering into the fullness of that, then that particular quality of, of, of energy, of intentionality, can discharge itself. That is, it's not like a, you know, something straining to get somewhere or to have something or to, you know, so it, it, oof, it deflates. You know. It doesn't go dull, but it, its, its energy is no longer directed 
away from the present, so it's subsumed into the present. A sense of attention, which is that sense of mind, something is being held up. And then we can recognize, well, you know, what is needed for this state to be? What kind of effort of holding up is needed here? And, um, you know, so, so the, the, perhaps there's a feeling or what can come up is a sense You know, our inclination is towards security, for example, you know, substantiality. Let's get a hold of this. I know where I am. I mean, you know, very normal human thing. Now, can can it be that states can exist by themselves without me doing them and having them? In fact, that's the case, isn't it? They do exist, but they do come up. You know, they do. Uh, they do change, and they do. They do I don't sort of bring them up, uh, and then make them go away. Um, they they do come up. You know. So then the the very as and as one's the conditions that support a particular state, which in in the case of uh, meditation or samadhi is a skillful tonality, where we've begun to empty out the unskillful residues and the unskillful intention. Means that actually. These, these more skillful states just kind of gradually form themselves. You know, they come up. They are, they are in fact, really what's left when we, when we clear away the debris. Yeah. So they're not, you know, they're kind of, you could say they're created, but they're not really created so much as um, the obscurations are removed and they, they become apparent. They're made apparent through removal of what obscures yeah. rather than something like you know, formulate. So then, what kind of attention is necessary for that? So that that sense of the I am that's inherent in the act of attention is, becomes more like trusting, loving. We might say it's something like um, I sometimes connect this to to the to devotion you know, or a sense of trust. Um, you know, I'm not holding this. Uh, there is a there is a tension that I'm not. Holding. Uh, and of course, this can only occur when one has, uh, when the mind has freed itself of the, of uh, you know, gross hindrances and and um, residues. So, the beauty of of, of skillful samadhi is that things begin to float and find their own place. So that sense of the I am that comes from a held quality of attention can be dissipated and released. And then the sense of I am that comes from experiencing oneself as that which is contacted or that which makes contact. Mm-hmm. This is happening to me. Well, you know, uh, again, if one really, uh, this is something we, we question in a way, a question maybe too you know, crude a word, it's not a matter of thinking but really sensing out, you know, who is this happening to, or where is this happening, what's the location, what's the address, what's the name, you know. And um, so there can be a gradual emptying of that uh, particular 
sense of the mind resting or leaning on on an object. Because these the very states themselves become are really what's what's inherent, innate in the mind. And I think that particular understanding becomes more clear if one has cultivated this process, which is one of of um, revealing rather than acquiring. Because we begin to recognise that, that, if you like, our experience is multi-layered, and where we tend to come from it from the from you know uh, many layers up, you know, where you've got kinds of thoughts and impressions and memories and pasts and futures and so forth. And you gradually kind of clear that away, and it's just there's a body here, you know, there's sensations, there's energies, and you sort of right, clear that away, and then this sense of of knowing and presence and inspiration and rapture. Okay, clear that way. It's just a sense of being and presence. Okay, let's clear that. You know, and it gradually clears. The, but all of that is present. You know, so at any any particular moment, there's the, if you like, in any moment of consciousness, there is just that experience of this. You know, it's a suchness or the very moment of of being conscious, being aware, and then. All this other stuff is layered on top of it. So we don't actually acquire um, purity. Or, uh, we, we empty out to, to acknowledge or to get in touch with what's actually always inherent. Why, you know, what one can bear in mind is you know, the unconditioned, you know, the sense of nibbana, deathless, unconditioned. I mean, these things are not created, caused, generated, they are, they are revealed. You know, if, it were, if it was something that was caused and generated, it would not, couldn't be called the unconditioned. It would be called the conditioned. <laughs> you know, the generated, the made, the become. It's called the unmade, the unbecome, unborn, ungenerated, unconditioned. So, you know, I think the point's there. So, you know, well, how can that happen if, if it's through, through some acquisition or through some getting it or some, you know, we may even, Im- you know, we probably have an idea of, of subtly as some sort of ascent to some particular peak experience. But most of the, the, the Buddhist, Buddhist language is one of descent, because it's descent into emptiness, um, cessation, uh, you know, the, the ending of things. It's all pretty much down, if you see what I mean. <laughs> Which gives it a kind of, kind of give it a rather depressing tone, you know. Uh, but it's it's not down in a negative sense. It's like more down in a quality of going to what's really innate, you know, ever present, rather than accumulated, acquired, built up, constructed. You know, it's, it's uh, um, saying my mind has gone to complete dissolution. You know, this is one of his statements. Nibbana, you know, dissolving all these these uh, agencies and activities and incrustations. So, you know, it's just bearing that in mind in terms of what kind of energies and attitudes and views and processes we we bring into play when we come to meditate. Are we meditating in a way that that makes clear of what's innate, that reveals, that that, uh, um, brings into wholeness what's truly present and clears away what's obscure, afflicted, confused, distorted, uh, made up, 
uh, artificial? Or are we actually unconsciously, and probably not through deliberate intent, but bringing in ideas that are made up, uh, contrivances, artifices, notions, views, conceits about uh, meditation, practice, Dharma, Buddhism, Nibbana, Samadhi, and so on, um, that, that actually mean that our whole energies get geared to um, in the wrong way. We get intense, we get pushy, we get um, encapsulated in our own, you know, our own ego, egocentricity, our own particularity, rather than emptying it out. Anyone? <coughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs>